Hello and welcome to another episode of Cranky Talk, a show for av geeks and non-av geeks alike. We tackle anything related to airlines and sometimes beyond. This week, well, we're just going to talk more about Southwest Meltdown. Uh, why are we doing this? I don't know. No, we're... <laughs> <laughs> Look, Southwest got dragged into the principal's office. Uh, I, you know, the Senate. So seemed like a good time to go back and uh, revisit what they've said, what's going on, all that kind of stuff. You really are a glutton for punishment, but fine, let's do this. All right, let's thank our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by MedJet, the membership service that gets you home if you're hospitalized while traveling. It also offers security and crisis response through their MedJet Horizon membership. We'll talk a bit more about them later on. So, Southwest went to the Senate and said something interesting? Yes. I, I mean, <laughs> Southwest COO Andrew Watterson said something. The Southwest Pilots Union, they said something too, via their president, Captain Casey Murray. It was a long day of saying things, so, so many of the things. Uh, in fact, let's, let's put links to both testimony transcripts in the show notes for those who really want to dive in. All right, so did you learn anything new here? Uh, no. It, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, look, it wasn't so much new information, uh, but I will say I think that what Andrew Watterson put out was a well-organized explanation of what happened, and we haven't really had that from Southwest so far. We've had a lot of people, including myself, like try to – put together what happened and, and try and explain it in a, in a better way. I don't, we haven't really seen the company do that. Um, and, and this to me was like the clearest way that it has actually tried to explain through it. Um, but I mean, it's February. They should have done this like a month ago, if not more. Sure. Like you said, we've, we've broken this down. You did it on the blog. Yes. And Reading through the various statements leaves me confused and annoyed. So, <laughs> like, I, I don't really understand. People working for the same company shouldn't have differing opinions in public. You have the pilot union on one side, the airline on the other. Um, you know, of course, the, the pilots are in lengthy uh, contract negotiations, so they're pretty pissed off. So there, there could be other... There definitely are other motivations here as well, so that could explain some of it. Right, and the company wants to cover its own ass, so there could be other motivations there. Oh, yes, that is a time-honored tradition in <laughs> corporate land. Uh, but finding where the two connect is probably where the truth lies, uh, but that's a tough thing to do. Uh, I, I will say, I, I did find... Uh, the explanation Southwest gave, Andrew gave, of how the weather unfolded, I did find that pretty interesting. Uh, Andrew really zeroed in on on Denver and Chicago, um, which, as he noted, that's home to a quarter of Southwest flight crews. And, you know, when those airports ended up in worse shape than they had predicted, flights got canceled fast, and it threw the airline into chaos. Um, and then the storm moved further along and nailed other airports as it went east, just continuing to compound things and make it worse. Uh, and that's when the company found it almost impossible to actually like communicate <laughs> internally properly. Couldn't find <laughs> people. The, I, this quote that he gave, I thought this was pretty um, 
pretty interesting. It says, quote, the lack of effective communication and coordination resulted in compounding frequent close-in flight cancellations rather than our normal practice of batched pre-cancellations further in advance of departure times. This created an unprecedented amount of frequency and required oh, frequency of required changes to crew schedules that overwhelmed our crew scheduling processes and technology. All right, so it was a technology issue. Well, you see, Southwest cannot make up its mind on this one. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But it pretty clearly is. I mean, regardless of whether a system failed or didn't fail, or it was just overwhelmed, and like Southwest has already gone out and bought a, an updated version of technology to try and fix the problem. So there was absolutely a technology shortfall. Uh, but if you ask the union, oh, it has warned about this for years, and the hodgepodge of tech in the company is bound to fail again and doom everyone unless they get a big raise or something. All right. That all sounds like a mess. So uh, who do we believe? <laughs> if I'm a traveler, how am I supposed to know who's right? Well, like I said, I think there's probably truth on both sides. It's somewhere in the middle. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, God, I mean, some of this just making it so hard for people to understand what happened. Like you can blame a lot of this on these frayed relationships between management and the pilots, which is something that would have been unthinkable 20 years ago. Uh, it's just a different airline, different world today. Um, but you know, cap Murray over there, like he said this, uh, and, and Swapa is the pilots union, by the way, quote, Swapa hopes that Southwest's new leadership team will collaborate with us. Our pilots want nothing more than to work together to return Southwest Airlines to success. Mr. Jordan and Mr. Watterson inherited a massive, complex operation held together by duct tape and bailing wire. It will take time to tear down and rebuild. <sighs> anyway, Mr. Jordan, uh, in this quote here, is, uh, is Southwest CEO, Bob Jordan. Uh, and he's been on the job for like a year. And, you know, so the union is absolutely placing this blame on the previous CEO, Gary Kelly, who is still a very influential chairman of the board here. Um, and the last COO, Mike Vandeven, who is now, um, I'm doing air quotes here, retired. <laughs> okay, so it's up to these new guys to save the day. Well, that's what the pilots say. But is, does the day need to be saved and what needs to be saved? I, I don't know. But <laughs> but yes, it, it is absolutely up to these new guys because who else is going to do it? <laughs> like the, That's their job. Um, you know, the, the pilots, they say everything. They need to be paid more, better tools, quality of life, safety. It's all the usual stuff you hear in like a negotiation cycle. Um, but if the new management team can come to a contract agreement, then a lot of this goes away and magically will be solved. Um, but I don't know. I mean, at least like when we're looking at both sides, they they seem to at least be based somewhat in data. Maybe the pilots union more so than than management, but that keeps them more tethered to reality in some way. Uh, and and I can't say the same for everyone. There was another side testifying. No, not testifying, but the same day there was a, I don't, the only way to describe it is bizarre, I think. There was a very bizarre blog post published by Linda Rutherford, which, who is a Southwest Chief Administration and Communications Officer. Uh, what was bizarre about it? I, I just don't understand why it was published in the first place. 
Um, but even worse, the content is not the experience that most people had. Like, okay, let's let's put it this way. What are the biggest complaints we've seen about this mess? You were a traveler during this time. Like, what are the biggest complaints? Oh, just that people's flights were canceled and they were stranded for days not knowing what was going to happen and when they'd ever get where they were going. Yeah, right. That, it's that <laughs> la- it's the, the not knowing what was going to happen and, right. and not getting that information. And the part that sticks out to me is the back half of that statement, which is that the airline did a miserable job of communicating. Customers were stuck on the phone for hours if they were even able to get on hold in the first place. They couldn't get rebooked. Uh, there were flights that operated without passengers. There were flights that, that were deadhead. Like, all this stuff. Southwest took a long time to put out information about what was happening, when it would be fixed. It, it took Southwest a long time before it would even say, like, hey, we'll reimburse you if you just go, uh, you know, buy a ticket on someone else. But even when they said that, they didn't give clear guidelines at first about what was allowed. So there was just so much confusion. And, and it was I, it just that statement that was put out, just I didn't understand. Right. I mean, if a flight is canceled, that's bad, but it's the not knowing that makes things even worse. Yeah. And so, you know, here, okay. So you know that, and I think most people did. You can go look at Twitter and see all the frustration that was out there. <laughs> but, and we'll put a link to her statement, her blog post in the show notes. But so, how would you feel if you hear, heard this one? So, quote, our effort began with updates on pure recovery. We shared the stats of canceled and delayed flights, solutions to reset the network, and information on what a customer should do if his or her flight was canceled. We posted both media and employee content across all our channels to keep stakeholders informed while working with Southwest senior leaders to figure out the root causes of the disruption. Yeah, that does not reflect my experience. <laughs> <laughs> Or anyone else's. No, or anybody else's. Uh, As someone who flew Southwest the first day that it was back to normal, um, I didn't feel like I had much information at all from the airline. It was just fingers crossed (laughs) until that day. Yeah, and and from the media (laughs) side, from my side, my perspective, not flying but still, you know, getting communications. Like, like Linda said in here, quote that or that the company quote continued to communicate with employees customers and outlets across the country to counter premature cause and effect stories but i didn't see that it, it they just left a vacuum i don't know it makes me nervous when the person who's in charge of communication seems to live in an alternate universe <laughs> so so this brings me to a whole lot of questions including why should we trust southwest again oh this is a weighty and good question <laughs> and we'll tackle it after the break. So, Dave, we've been talking about our sponsor, MedJet, for quite a while now. And did you know that this year they just did their most expensive transport? Travel and Leisure even wrote about this. All right. How much? $199,000. Yeah. Someone slipped and fell in Malawi and didn't want their hip operated on there, so uh, MedJet got them moved back home to Chicago. I mean, to be fair, I don't want my hip operated on anywhere, but if it's necessary, right? probably nice to be home. Uh, and it's pretty amazing, though, that a $99 membership can save you that much money. Uh, MedJet paid for the whole thing. All right. So annual memberships are only about $300, too. So that's, uh, that's still a bargain. Yeah, yeah, you know, they say they're a get-me-out-of-here membership, but seems to be, uh, seems to be true. Yep. 
All right, so we have different sides of the airline saying different things. Uh, some make some sense. Others don't at all. <laughs> so if they can't figure out um, and admit what happened, then why should we ever trust them again? Because they said so? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that I have an answer to that. I mean, I, I wish I did. Um, Southwest has put a lot in saying that it's doing an external review with a consulting company to come up with a full plan and understand what happened and all that. But, but ultimately, Southwest just has to live in this shadow for a long time. If there's a big winter storm and it doesn't melt down, uh, then Southwest will have narrowly avoided disaster. And if, it, if the airline does melt down, well, then it becomes, you know, I told you so. And, and maybe people would actually start to redirect their business elsewhere if it keeps happening. But in general, people don't do that. But if it happens enough, then they might actually start. But right now, like, they can't win. All they can do is not fail. Right. Okay. So this brings me to my biggest issue. Okay. Uh, we live in Long Beach. Oh, that's uh, your biggest issue? I love it here. I don't know why that's your issue. Uh, other than a couple of random flights on Hawaiian and Delta, Southwest operates all of our flights. Yes. Uh, I can drive to Orange County. I could drive to LAX, but not everybody uh, can do that. Uh, Southwest has either monopolies or strongly dominant positions in mid-sized cities all over the U.S. Uh, people just can't afford uh, to walk away from Southwest without enduring some kind of pain, which could mean driving to a different airport, or maybe it means flying another airline from the same airport but having to stop along the way. Um, personally, I feel stuck in that I don't know that I can trust Southwest after this, um, especially for sensitive travel like the holidays. Um, you know, if I really have to be there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but it's too painful for me to switch away. I really hate that feeling. So what would it take for Southwest to earn your trust back then? I mean, a part of it is time. You know, if Southwest doesn't melt down again for a few years, then I'm sure I'll <laughs> feel differently. <laughs> but you know, for now, I'll, I still book Southwest. Uh, you know, I'm flying them next week. But then uh, I just get a bad feeling wondering if my plans will fall apart. Yeah, that's not great. It's not great to have that feeling going into something. It just makes everything more stressful, for sure. Right. But, all right, so what do you, would you want the government to step in as a citizen of the country? Like, w would that fix this if the government stepped in and, and did something? Yeah, well, listeners, I'm going to put my big government hat on. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what does that hat look like? I see. It's a big hat. It's a big hat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I it wouldn't restore my faith in Southwest or any airline for that matter, uh, but it would help me feel more comfortable in booking them, uh, you know, if I know that I have protections. So, uh, but I really want that, uh, you know, I, I want to see those spelled out. Um, uh, when I was looking at alternatives to Southwest uh, for my trip before I knew if I would be able to go or not, uh, the options on other airlines were really, really expensive. Um, if I knew definitively that I'd be able to get that money back in case uh, things got uh, went wrong, uh, I you know have felt better about the whole situation. And as you know, that has been proposed many many times but right. the most recent one we've got uh, from senator blumenthal of connecticut and senator markey of massachusetts they love these airline bills uh they have put forward a passenger bill of rights that would provide compensation for a whole bunch of stuff like that and that's another one we can put in the show notes here yeah so uh we'll put a link in the show notes but uh i just wanted to pull some of the text from this bill this uh this bill requires 
Uh, airlines to provide ticket refunds and alternative transportation for flights delayed between one and four hours. Uh, it requires airlines to provide ticket refunds, alternate transportation compensation, and cover the cost of meals and lodging as applicable for flights delayed more than four hours. Uh, it directs the uh, it directs DOT to facilitate interline agreements between airlines to ensure availability of alternative flights. Cracks down on airlines using weather <laughs> as an excuse for delays and cancellations that are uh, actually the airline's fault. Uh, there are other things in there too, like setting a minimum of uh, you know a thousand three hundred fifty dollars as compensation for people who are bumped because of oversold flights, and setting a minimum seat size requirement. Something that we've covered several times on this podcast, <laughs> but you know, and I know, and everyone knows that this bill is not going to happen, not in this Congress, uh, and likely not in any future Congress. Big airlines are very good at lobbying and tend to somehow avoid a lot of this pain. Yeah, okay, there's a lot in here, and there's a lot of stuff in here that I hate, um, by the way. Like, how how are you going to crack down on airlines using weather as an excuse that are actually the airline's fault? Like, who's who's going to make that determination? Like, the board of airline faultiness? Like, the, the, the government weatherman is, is going to be oh, on Oh, good. The Great. That'll, that'll really be good. Um, and, you know, directing, facilitating interline agreements, I love that, but then again, this was during the holidays. There weren't going to be a ton of seats available. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. There's a lot in here that could be useful. Maybe not. It all depends. But you're right. The airlines are at least okay at lobbying. But um, but that, that doesn't. You know, some things have snuck through. Like um, they're when they screw up enough, stuff can happen. <laughs> like the tarmac delay rule uh, when they put that one in place, which I still think was a bad idea, but you know, as former American CEO, Doug Parker said, like they did that to themselves, uh, or the 1500 hour pilot training rule. Um, that was something that was not based in any reality, but still Congress found a way to do it. Uh, right. So the pilot training thing is under the guise of safety, uh, much easier yeah. to pass and for all parties to stomach, uh, tarmac delay rule that's about passenger treatment and it's also a lot easier to avoid than just a general delay or cancellation yeah that's true it is it is definitely something that is not necessarily super costly like you know there will be delays and cancellations no matter what right so right. uh but you can avoid the tarmac delays whatever but yeah i, I understand but they still might pass something uh, I just don't think it'll have any teeth if they do, right? You know, I want the security of knowing that when Southwest melts down again, I'll have an easier time of getting back on track, including, you know, some significant financial compensation. Uh, yeah. That's it. And until then, I guess you'll just have to keep booking Southwest and hoping it runs as planned. I mean, if you had said that 20 years ago, people would look at you funny. It's, it's definitely a different time. Thank you once again to our sponsor, MedJet, the membership service that gets you home if you're hospitalized while traveling. It also offers security and crisis response through the MedJet Horizon membership. If you'd like to be a sponsor of Cranky Talk, let us know. Email us at advertisercrankyflyer.com and please remember to leave us a five-star rating. This helps others find our podcast. And if you have suggestions for what you'd like us to cover in a future show, tell us. Email us at info at crankyconcierge.com. 